wow. And all God's people said, amen. You're getting praise on Facebook Live, Mark. Thank you so much. Someone said that has to be um, played on our first Sunday back. What a glorious anthem for today. Thank you. Our text for today is the Palm Sunday reading from the lectionary. It's the text that every Christian church around the world is reading today um, from Matthew's Gospel, the 21st chapter. It's the text that we define as the triumphal entry. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. Now this is interesting. We, if we had more time, we would deal a little bit with this. The, the Gospels deal differently with these animals. Matthew alone, I believe, has both animals together. And it's interesting how it is that he uh, has, has two animals there. The scene is really kind of interesting. If you take it literally, Jesus riding two animals. It says riding them. So kind of interesting there. Well, I'll just let you sit with that today. Um, untie them. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what has been spoken through the prophet, saying, tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. You have heard the ancient story. Let us listen now for the word of the Lord. The crowds, the crowds greeted Jesus. Did you hear that when I read? Those words almost jumped off the page at me when I read them this past week. Oh, wouldn't it be great to be in a crowd today? All, of all days, today there should be a crowd. Today and next Sunday. And how will we celebrate without a crowd? How will we celebrate? I was talking to a pastor friend. We're talking to lots of folks these days. And we had a, a, a meeting, a video conference with some pastor friends. And we were talking about this issue of preaching and worship in this kind of situation. And John said, you know, from the beginning, I have not felt like I could preach in and to an empty room. There's too much about preaching in a community context that is in direct counterpoint to empty. I certainly understand that feeling that, wow, I don't need to preach to thousands, but it would be nice to have more than five people here today. No offense to my colleagues. I need the crowd to be here. All of you need to be here. Crowds can be wonderful. 
Years ago, Amy and I were in Atlanta in the Georgia Dome. Uh, we were there with about uh, 80,000 other people, and there were two piano players sitting on the stage, and all night long, Billy Joel and Elton John altered times, took turns and sang. And they took a break, and they came back, and they did some more. And at the very end, when they got to the last, the last chorus of that last song, 80,000 people together in unison a cappella sang, sing us a song, you're the piano man, sing us a song tonight. 80,000 people. It was an amazing crowd experience. Crowds can be wonderful, and Jesus knew the power of a crowd. Everywhere he went, crowds followed Jesus. By the Sea of Galilee, we're told that day he was there, he had to get out in a boat and go off the shore so that everyone could hear him. There were so many people. There's that wonderful story of the friends who bring their buddy to Jesus. They want Jesus to heal him, but they can't get to him. The crowds are so great. Uh, they're in the house, they're around the house, and so these friends climb up on the roof. They tear a hole in the roof and they lower their buddy down so Jesus can deal with him and heal his friend. There's that interesting and wonderful story of the woman who comes up behind Jesus. She had a, a, an issue of blood, this text says, and she just believed if she could just touch the hem of his garment, she would be healed. And she, she reached through the crowd and she touched the hem of his garment. And scripture says she was healed. And Jesus said, who touched me? And his disciples said, who touched you? Look at the crowds. Everybody is touching you. Jesus was always in a crowd. That story of the feeding of the 5,000. And because we know the way they counted back then, that was 5,000 men. Huge, huge crowd that was there. Everywhere Jesus went, there were crowds. Matthew 9 says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I've mused sometimes about what a crowd in that day must have looked like. Before dentistry and before orthodontics, what did people look like? If you were injured, it just stayed with you forever. And talk about disease and contagion and contamination. Oh my goodness, the crowd, and they were poor, and they were hungry, and they were homeless. And Jesus had compassion on the crowds. There were always crowds. But Jesus also knew that a crowd can be dangerous. He knew that crowds can be dangerous. And you know the story. There was this great crowd who came to celebrate Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. But in just a few short days, the crowd had turned on him. You know, I've never really been a fan of crowds. And the very last place I ever want to be on a New Year's Eve is in Times Square. I can't imagine anything more frightening than being in that crowded area with a million people poured in. Um, thousands of people every year die in stampedes. I looked this up on the internet. Um, interesting story from Josephus, the historian who wrote in Jesus' day, that in the year 66, there was a stampede. Now, this is what I read. Josephus says that a Roman soldier mooned that Jewish crowd. And that, I'm serious, he mooned the crowd. It was a thing back then. And the crowd was so incensed and so infuriated, they got all upset and one thing led to the next and there was a stampede. Josephus says 10,000 Jews were crushed to death that day. Now that sounds like an exaggeration, but 
Um, in in uh, 1809, 5,000 people died on a bridge in Portugal. Over 1,300 died at the coronation of Tsar Nicholas II in Russia. In 1902, there was a fire in a church in Birmingham. Someone, excuse me, there was um, a false uh, uh, fire alarm in a church in Birmingham. 102 people were trampled to death in Birmingham in 1902. And just four years ago in Saudi Arabia, more than 2,200 people died in a pilgrimage when the crowd uh, rushed around and stampeded and people were killed. Crowds can be frightening. And not just the sheer size of the crowd, but the mentality that crowds bring. We talk about mob mentality or herd mentality, which describes how people can be influenced by their peers to adopt certain behaviors on a largely emotional rather than rational basis. Crowds can get stirred up by emotion, not by reason or ration. Seems to me that we're dealing with a lot of herd mentality these days. Studies show that regardless your ideological or political or theological bent, people disregard facts when they contradict your own beliefs. The crowd is telling us what to believe, and we follow along with our crowd, and we believe what we want to believe despite the facts. We're listening to the crowd, and social media, which is crowd media, may yet destroy us. You know that old story of the emperor who was vain, glorious, and proud, and he was determined to have a new, glorious set of royal clothes, and so he asked for the best tailors in the land, and two scoundrels stepped forward and said, oh, we are the best tailors, and they bragged of their accomplishments, and the emperor could hardly wait to show off his new clothes. And so they gathered and they stitched and they stitched and they cut and they were working in thin air, but nobody would say it. The emperor wouldn't say it. They were the best in the world. And so they presented the emperor with his new clothes. And even though the emperor couldn't see anything, everyone in his court was saying how wonderful they look. And so he put on these new clothes and he called for a parade and he went out in the streets and he marched and everyone was just saying how wonderful the emperor's royal clothes were until one innocent child said the obvious, but look, he's not wearing anything at all. Well, you know, the truth of that tale is always with us. The emperor is still waltzing around in his underwear. It happens all the time. People are so gullible and so afraid to stand out, to speak out, to tell the truth. We go along to get along, and we hide in the crowd. No matter how advanced we get, some things never change. Human insecurity leads to crowd mentality. It's frightening and dangerous. Now today, you know that in churches and in the streets and in stadiums, there are no crowds. It just doesn't seem right. It's weird standing here preaching to four people in front of me and Mark behind me. There are no crowds. And next week, normally the Sunday in which churches would be the most crowded will be quiet. No crowds. But notice the movement this holy week, the movement from crowd to quiet. No one was there on Easter Sunday morning. There was no crowd. 
The crowd didn't appear for Jesus to stand before them in his resurrected form. Jesus appeared to Mary and then to a few disciples. And then in that gathered room to the disciples, Jesus only appeared in small groups. There was no crowd. You know, crowds always pressed in on Jesus and caused a problem for him. They wanted miracles. They wanted sensationalism. They wanted to see the spectacle. But they didn't understand the message and the ministry and the challenge of Jesus. It was only in the one-on-one -on -one that people seemed to get it. This morning I was walking our dog in the neighborhood and one driveway was covered with chalk uh, drawings. It's beautiful. A number of driveways in our neighborhood are covered. And in the midst of what looked like children's imagery, I saw the letters Psalm 4610. Bright red letters, Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. You know, being still might be the only way to really know God. And it's difficult to be still, to be quiet in a crowd. So these are trying days, but maybe God is giving us an opportunity to look in a different way at Easter. Maybe God will bless our movement this Holy Week from crowd to quiet, that Easter might come to us in a very real way. From crowd to quiet, may it be so. Amen.